Blog Talk Radio. Jets fans, I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in. And it certainly seems as if we have hit, I mean, we all know as fans how much we we dread the the long football-free offseason, the the many months without Sundays to look forward to for uh in terms of NFL football. But let's face it, <laughs> every off season we have this we have this build up to free agency and then we get to ride that out for a few weeks, a couple months, and the build up to the draft. The draft happens, gives us a lot of a lot of different stuff to talk about over the course of a few weeks. And uh and then we hit this lull where this is to me, this is really the off season. There'll be some OTA mini camp type stuff, you know, rookie camp is behind us. This type of stuff where the 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 football news is going to be scarce, to put it lightly. There's not going to be a whole lot to report. There will be plenty to speculate on. But uh but let's face it, not a great deal of I mean the Jets did make some moves or a move. Um in the past couple of days that we'll talk about later today or later during this show in just just a few minutes probably. But uh, we're going to be joined by Calvin Watkins tonight of Newsday. He's been covering the team for a little while now and get his thoughts on the on the state of the team. Christian Dyer of Metro will be joining us to talk about some dire needs. Of course, these will not be pressing immediate needs, but just some things the Jets need to do or you know certain directions they may want to take at certain positions. So Christian will be joining us at some point during the show. Again, as will uh, Calvin. We're expecting them at any time. Uh, Calvin should be calling in a bit earlier, and then Christian a little bit later than that. So we may actually cover a couple of topics a couple of times because there are a couple, uh, you know, one or two things that I wanted to go over, and I wanted to get the opinions of some some insiders, some people that cover the team or, you know, people that are in that locker room. Um, and and get their take on a few different things surrounding the Jets. But first things first, in terms of player transactions, <clears throat> and this is something we will talk about later on. But the Jets, they the Jets kick the tires, and they are bringing in left tackle Antonio Garcia. That name will be familiar to many of us because this is a guy who's pretty pretty highly thought of just last year. Just going into this past season, Antonio Garcia was entering his rookie year. He was drafted by the New England Patriots. In the third round, he was projected 
there was some talk of him being a possible second-round pick. Um, he did fall to round three. Due largely in part, you would have to figure it was level of competition coming out of Troy, and you would have. there was some talk about him having a hard time keeping on weight, uh, sometimes playing in the 280-290 range, which isn't ideal for an NFL tackle. But he he still went in the third round. He went to New England and missed all of last year, missed the whole season. This is a guy with extremely good feet, great footwork for a big man. I saw a number earlier today that he ranked sixth or seventh in the country in uh, pass blocking efficiency per PFF because they do cover the uh, the college game as well now. So this is a guy with prototypical size, good height, good wingspan. Again, you know, some issues with his weight, and he hits he hits the waiver wire, and for some reason. You have the Cleveland Browns, don't take a shot at him, despite the fact Joe Thomas, you know, they just lost out on him with him with him retiring. The Giants didn't take a shot at him. That really surprised me. You know, I, I looked at Antonio Garcia as a guy that the Jets should make a move on, make a move on but didn't think it was going to be a reality. I figured of the teams in front of the Jets, there were a couple that could use a a developmental tackle with a high ceiling. And as it turned out, those teams disagreed. They uh, they took a pass. So Antonio Garcia falls to the Jets. As I said, Troy Trojan missed his entire rookie year. There was apparently not a lot of talk at the during the season when he was placed on IR. Not a lot was revealed as to why he was going to be done for the season. And we later found out it was due to blood clots in his lungs, which is, I mean, that's some serious business. So, yeah, he missed a full season, blood clots in his lungs, put him on a a regimen of, of blood thinners, and he has now been cleared to play. And almost immediately after being cleared, the Patriots cut him loose. And he hits the waiver wire. The Jets grab him. We, we've, we have been told, or I should say we, we have seen uh, through a couple of outlets, that because of the medication, or at least partly because of the medication that he was taking, he apparently lost 40 pounds, which that's a pretty that's a that's a good deal of weight. That's some weight he'll have to put back on. But this is a no-brainer for the Jets. You know, we've talked at length about this offensive line, Kelvin Beecham at left tackle being a guy who you can you can plug him in, you can keep Kelvin Beecham as your starter for another year or two while you bring someone along. I know I had said that I thought maybe next year in the draft they would address left tackle early on, and that would be the guy to eventually replace Calvin Beecham, which could still happen. But this gives them an option on the roster that they can start working with right away. And if he – look, if, if if the guy, if they don't like the way he looks on the field, then it's it's gone. It's 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 a, you know, zero risk, essentially zero risk to bring in a guy who a lot of people said could develop into a starting left tackle. I know Mike Mayock uh, echoed those sentiments during the draft. He feels like this guy can be a starter. Again, there were folks that felt like he could go in the second round. And so some health issues, he he gets cut loose after being cleared to play. But, I mean, that's, that's the important thing here. He's, or one of the important things. 
he's cleared to play. If that's the case, you have to believe full bill of health or clean bill of health. And now one would assume he'll have to pass a physical with the Jets. If he doesn't, that's the end of it. If he does, you bring him in and you start from the ground up. And that's another thing to consider is that this is a guy who played at Troy, so it was another air raid type of offense. So it's going to be a big adjustment for him. You know, it would be nice to think that they got a guy who had a year of playing under his belt, but he's got a year of injured reserve under his belt. So he's got an idea. You know, he's 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 been in a pro locker room. He's got an idea what's going on. He's not going to be quite as fresh as a rookie coming in, but he's still going to be pretty far away from, from a finished product. But, again, he's the type of guy you want to bring in when you have a, a Kelvin Beecham on the roster. Now here's a guy that can sit back, learn, and potentially, you know, become uh, – the solution at left tackle for many, many years. So it's almost like you got a free third rounder. I know there were a lot of people. I saw one report that that had him, you know, the, the, the expectation was that he was going to contend for a starting spot with the Patriots. And that was a day or two before they waived him. Um, because, they, as I said, he had been cleared. They, uh, they The Patriots lost their starting left tackle this offseason. Nate Solder, who signed with the Giants, so you get Garcia, and and now you, and you know whatever happens from here happens. It's a good move in terms of when you look at the the value of that position, and the skill set and age of the player, bringing him in is an absolute no-brainer. I'm not saying I'm you know I'm, I'm not sitting here predicting he's going to be a 10-year starter. He could be you know he could be with the team a few weeks and be gone, but when you're a GM who could use a, a tackle and some depth on your own line and a guy with this skill set comes along, you snatch him up. You know, it's it's we're still pre we're still off season. You're at a ninety man roster. Jets were carrying three kickers. You know, you let a kicker go, you bring in a left tackle who can compete. So it's a good move for the Jets. Makes sense in, in every way really. There there's no way to knock that move as far as I'm concerned. So we'll 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 get some some thoughts on that later. From uh, from Christian Dyer and Calvin Watkins and and see how they feel about that. But another interesting note after signing uh, after signing Garcia, some news surfaces that the Jets are sending the host Kenny Vaccaro, free agent safety, former New Orleans Saint, who uh, hit free agency and. I think the understanding even before the season started, I think Vaccaro knew he was out. Inconsistent player with the Saints, but sort of along the lines of a Jamal Adams, not not in terms of, um, you know, not in terms of his ceiling, but in terms of his versatility. Not as explosive as a player, but a big hitter. He can cover a little bit. The Saints used him out of the the Saints used him in a, in a variety of, diff, of different roles, much the way the Jets did with Jamal Adams. Um, they used him out of the slot quite a bit, or they used him to cover receivers out of the slot quite a bit. They played him in the box. They played him as a free safety. So he did a lot of different things, much the way Jamal Adams did. And, of course, there are those fans who will be critical. You know, I've I've seen the comments on Twitter, seen the comments on the forums on JetNation.com. But, um, you know, there are still those who, who feel like the Jamal Adams pick was a mistake because he's a safety, and why would you take a safety with a sixth overall pick? There are other positions of far more importance. 
which I get. There's, you know, there is some validity. There's some validity to that. You can't deny the fact that, you know, if you're telling me you have the sixth pick in the draft and you're not a very good football team, my my immediate thought is you're taking a quarterback, a left tackle, a corner, or a pass rusher, one of those. Um, not a safety. That's not going to be the top of your list. But it was what it was. We know what the, the consensus on Adams was. He was one of the top players in the draft. The Jets took him. But there are fans now saying, you know, now you have to go get Kenny Vaccaro, um, even though you just took a safety in the first round last year, and then another safety in Marcus May in round two. Now, me personally, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that criticism, because in all honesty, good football players are good football players. You know, if you're going to add a depth guy, and that's one thing that makes me wonder about Vaccaro. He met with the Colts. I don't know how they would use him. What his role would be there. But you would have to imagine that he'd be looking at the Jets and realizing that with the two safeties they just took at one and two last year, playing time may be, may be limited. But as we've seen, and you know, see quite a bit with Todd Bowles, he does like his three safety sets, and that would give them quite a few safeties. Brooks is still around. Miles is still around. Uh, Ron Miles is still around. Doug Middleton, don't forget about him. So there are some options there at safety. But Vaccaro, in terms of skill set, versatility, experience, you know, would automatically become, in my mind anyway, would leapfrog those other guys on the roster. And you'd have a, a quality, experienced corner, eight career interceptions. I believe you had three last year. So, as I tweeted it out earlier, that you could do a lot worse in terms of depth at the safety position than Kenny Vaccaro. But Again, there are those who are – I saw an NFL network, they were talking about it, and somebody was, you know, yelling, you know, this is the one thing the Jets don't need is a safety. Uh, I mean, there are other positions that the Jets don't need right now. The Jets don't need a wide receiver. They're pretty deep there. Um, with the with the draft and the trades, they they don't really need a D lineman. Like, they have they have a few position groups that are that are full at the moment, and they have some established talent. And they have some, you know, of course, the the draft picks aren't proven. But up front between Anderson, McClendon, and Leo, you know, the three-man front, you're set there. You know, Pennell can play. So there's enough there's enough up front. So, that, you know, as I've said many times, I said it last year, I'll say it again this year, this roster is not as bad as people think. But when you don't cover a team every day, when you're at the national level and you're just looking at, you know, snapshots of, the team's record and the box score, you can, you know, it's easy to, sit back, easy to sit back and say, well, they're no good at this, they're no good at that. Um, this team does some things very well, and some of the things they didn't do so well last year, every reason, every reason to expect that to get better this year. Um, I know other teams make moves. Other teams look to improve, whether it's free agency or the draft. But that that brings me to my next topic, with uh, which is, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into records. I'm not going to sit here on whatever it is, May 15th or 16th, whatever day it is. I'm not going to sit here and say the Jets are going to go this and this. They're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They're going to go whatever. It, it, I mean, this anything can happen. We, we don't know. You know, we have no idea. There's still camp cuts. There's still guys are going to get hurt on other teams. Guys, you know, Jets, Jets can get some injuries. But – just in a in a big you know in terms of the big picture, 
and looking at other rosters around the NFL, looking at the Jets, there was a, a little bit of a, I wouldn't quite say a firestorm this week on Twitter, but there was some, I would say, some head-scratching for sure because a lot of teams do, or a lot of writers, I should say, will try to make these, you know, these preseason projections, these preseason preseason mock drafts where they talk about, you know, or, you know they, they list the teams 1 to 32, and a lot of it, of course, is based on, you know, their, their projections. Now, sometimes I did see one writer comment a couple of weeks ago where the Jets were first, that uh, that the Jets were, you know, the reason he had the Jets picking first of all, first overall, and that was due to the fact that that you know he said he said you sometimes use the Vegas odds. Vegas has the Jets as you know 150 to one or whatever it is, so that's why you know that's why you you use you know you put them at the top of the draft. That I can live with. That's fine. But uh, when you see who is it, Mike Clay. I believe, yeah, yeah, I'm just looking, yeah, Mike Clay, I think he's an ESPN guy. Yeah, he's an ESPN guy. Um, so he sends out his projections for the uh, the first round, the projected 2019 draft order. And he's got the Jets at number one. He has the Jets, who won five games last year, which is nothing to write home about. He's either won five games last year, and they added a number one well, let's let's not even let's not even get into Tremaine Johnson, because this is something I tweeted earlier, and I'm I'm kind of tired of beating this dead horse, but for the sake of this discussion, for the sake of this topic, I'm going to bring it up again. Just by going from Wesley Johnson to Spencer Long and Mo Wilkerson to either whether it's Henry Anderson or one of the kids stepping up, Nathan Shepard, something like that. Just that alone, those two moves, the Jets were basically, for a large portion of last season, far too often than anyone would care to admit, that team was playing 11 on 10, and they were the ones with the 10. Because Wesley Johnson was an invisible non-factor at center, and Muhammad Wilkerson, yes, he did have himself three or four nice games somewhere in the middle of the season, but for the most part, by and large, the Jets had 10 defenders on the field when Muhammad Wilkerson was out there. He had no interest in playing football, no interest in getting dirty. He was out there dancing with opposing O-linemen. That was it. So those moves alone, you've gone from 11 on 10 to 11 on 11 on offense and defense. You've added a body. You've added a far more competent player at center, and you've added multiple players that can try to take Muhammad Wilkerson's role and you're, you're going to get you're going to get some effort, which was not the case at all last year. So just that alone, I mean, the 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 impact that having a guy in Muhammad Wilkerson's role changes every changes everything for the whole defense, as does Spencer Long for the offense. On offense, we're not going to see the pocket collapsing almost instantly. Far too often, it would happen far too much last year, and. Wesley Johnson was often in the middle of it. And now defenders don't have to worry about an unblocked, or sorry, I shouldn't say unblocked, an uncontested offensive lineman 
who really didn't have to do a lot of work to keep Muhammad Wilkinson out of the backfield or away from his quarterback. So those moves alone. Okay, but then you get, then you get into the, you know, the, the bigger name upgrades. Tremaine Johnson at corner. You know what that's going to do for this defense? It's going to, you know, it's going to give Todd Bowles the ability to go out and and send his blitzers, do a lot more with his corners. His, you know, a, a guy like that, a fantastic press corner who's going to be able to to mentor the, the safeties a little bit. You know, you generally, of course, you know, everybody's players, everyone expects their players to see a little bit of a jump from year one to year two. But there's no reason Jets fans shouldn't expect that from Jamal Adams and Marcus May. So now you've got Adams and May, who should see an uptick in their play. Jermaine Johnson, huge upgrade at, court, at, at the first cornerback spot. Claiborne, as we've talked about, goes to the two spot. So his, his job should be a little bit easier. Expect a little bit better season out of him. And you're picking this team to win five, to, to, not even to win five games. You're picking this team to be the worst team in the NFL, despite those upgrades. And then there's the fact, that the thing that kind of makes it funny. And it, this is just, you know, it's something to kick around. It's one person's opinion. And and I have, I have a little theory myself anyway with it in terms of Mike Clay. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw him do this earlier this year with the Jets at one point. I really think that when you're a national writer, you don't cover a team that closely. A, you don't really – you don't know that team as well as the beat writers who cover it regularly. And whether, you know – and that, that – even just fans, whether whether it's fans, bloggers, whoever, I, I would venture to guess a lot of fans and bloggers have a better idea of what's going on on this roster than the national guys who try to break news or report news on on all 32 teams. And I think that when you when you're when you're trying to get some clicks, when you're trying to get the the light shined on you a little bit, one one good way to do that is to is to throw some negative press at a big at a large market team because fans get riled up, they get pissed off and and I'm not you know, I'm, I know I'm talking about this. I'm not it's not something that gets me mad, but it just I just especially try to write something to be taken seriously. Um but he, this guy he's got three teams in the top 5, Jets, Dolphins and Bills all in the top 5 in the draft. Like those teams are going to win a few games just against each other. I don't know if he doesn't realize they're in the same division. So the likelihood of all three of those teams being in the top five, I, I just don't, I don't get it. And then at five, he's got the Giants. So you throw the Jets and Giants in there, biggest media market in the country, and I, I don't see any way either one of those teams is in the top five, whether it's in, in, in terms of the, the market size. I know the Giants struggled last year, but listen, you, you know, you, you look at the draft they had, it was kind of a you know worst case scenario for them last year. Everything fell apart. You know that both they and the Jets. There's no reason they should be picking in the top five. But there seems to be, you know, it's it's not as if Mike Clay's the only one out there. There are some people when when you hear the you know when you hear people talk about the Jets, it's almost as if people disregard everything that happened on the field last year. Which again, I fully understand that five and eleven isn't anything to you know, 
isn't anything to hang your hat on in terms of, you know, predicting future success. But what can help you predict a little bit of future success is the fact that, you know, you look at the five wins, and look at look at how the Jets lost these games, lost a lot of their games last year. We talked about that all year. You know, they had big leads. They had leads at halftime, leads in the third quarter, fourth quarter that they couldn't hold on to. And why couldn't they hold on to them? Well, they, often the offense stalled out in the second half. Defense got a little bit worn down. And they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't run the clock out. Now you, you get Wesley Johnson out of there. You have a, a hopefully a healthy Brian Winters. And you add Isaiah Crowell to that backfield. Now you've got a, a, a banger in the backfield. Okay? A guy who, you know, a who plays a physical brand of football and improve blocking up front, you're going to be able to chew up some clock. You know, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to beat up on some people. And again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here predicting, I'm not sitting here saying the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl. Although I did place my, my annual Jets Super Bowl bet this week. So, uh, that'd be a, at 150 to one for a hundred bucks. That would be a not so bad, not so bad day at the office. But you know, listen, they're one fifty to one for a reason. But even that, I think, is a bit unfair. Well, not unfair. That sounds whiny. A bit unrealistic to say because just in their own division, look at the AFC East. Look at the Buffalo Bills right now. They're a disaster. They they are a total mess. They don't have an O line. Their quarterback, they don't have a – I mean, are they that much better off at quarterback than the Jets right now? I would say no. What, what, what do they have at quarterback? What do they have a quarterback that's proven anything? Now, could they be better at quarterback? Absolutely. That's possible. I won't rule that out. But on the O-line, you traded your left tackle. Your left guard retired. Your center retired. Your right guard is terrible. You got a lot of bodies to replace. You have to find two, three, four offensive linemen. Find four guys who can play just to keep your quarterbacks upright. So to me, if I'm if I'm looking up and down every roster in the league, or even just in the AFC East, and I don't I don't feel like I'm being unfair here. I I don't see how the Jets finish behind the Bills. Now, of course, anything's possible. Maybe the Bills come out. Maybe a few guys come from out of nowhere, and their O-line plays great. And Shady McCoy still shows he has a lot left in the tank. And he's a guy you can use to control the football, control the clock, running the football. Who knows? But I'm just saying on paper, you're going to tell me that a team that lost three-fifths of their starting O-line is, is in better shape right now than the Jets? I know their O-line struggled last year. But as we've said... That you know, main culprit in that is gone, and you got Winters coming back healthy. So Carpenter, as we've said, is a big question mark this off season for the Jets. We'll see. We'll you know going into this season, we'll see how that works out. But just a bizarre thing. I can't. I can't see. I can't fathom saying that this team is the is the worst team in the NFL right now. That this team is gonna is gonna somehow have a hard time. You know. They seem to have a hard time winning more than two or three games. 
I just I don't buy it. It it doesn't make any sense. And uh, but you know it is what it is. Just to, just something to talk about because it did catch me by surprise to see that there did seem to be a good number of Jets fans who were who could not have disagreed more with that assessment. And again, just putting the whole thing together, uh, you know, in one piece, and and seeing that there are three teams three teams listed in the top uh, in the top five who are in the same division. Just highly improbable. I'd actually like to look that up. I'd like to see if or when that's ever happened because it does, it does seem extremely unlikely. But that's just, like I said, one, one other topic, one other thing to cover with them. You know, in, ter- <clears throat> in terms of a topic that did seem to have fans a little bit irate this week. Sorry, give me one second. Ah, nasty golf this week. My apologies. So, we're going to talk a little bit now. You know, uh, part of the reason why this team should be better this year, or at least (laughs) many of us hope, is the, uh, a lot of guys, you know, we talk about this every now and then, grading grading draft classes, grading, you know, whether or not this team, you know, a player, a group of players is, is a successful draft class or not, is it a boom or bust class. And everyone says you got to you got to give a team three years. It takes three years before you know for sure, or at least you have a really good idea as to whether or not a team or a draft class is a success. Which means Mike McCagnan has you know his, his his second ever draft class of you know class of 2016 is about to enter their third year, and there are some uh, that looks to be there, there's a very good possibility that 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 draft class ends up being a pretty darn good one. Um, not uh, not not a dominant group by any stretch, at least to this point, but some quality players to be had, or that, that they that the Jets did pick up, uh, and of course you know there was. Let's take a look at this list, and we'll just start with the second round with Christian Hackenberg. Get that out of the way right off the bat. Uh, there's there's no reason to believe at this point that Christian Hackenberg will be anything other than a bust. I would say that you can make the case that if not for Vernon Golston, if not for Eric Mangini drafting Vernon Golston, Christian Hackenberg is quite possibly the the worst pick this team's ever made because he may end up being a second rounder who never takes a single snap, which is which is mind boggling. You, you just don't see that. You don't see it at quarterback. You don't see it. Guys, they get a shot at some point. They get an opportunity to go out there and show what they can do, and maybe he will this year. You know, that's why I say that at this point he may be the biggest bust in team history. Now, does that mean that the work he's done in the off season won't pay off and we won't see a different version of Christian Hackenberg? I'm I'm highly skeptical. I doubt it, only based on the fact that he was he was so bad when he did play in the preseason. I'd be shocked if he comes back and looks good, but if he if he does great, but if you're looking at that draft class and and kind of trying to project what it's going to be, I don't see how you say anything other than you know, right now you have to say he's a bust. So that's we'll get him out of the way because listen, when you're doing a list, you, you like to go in order, but when one of the guys on that list is arguably the the worst pick your team's ever made, he he leads off the discussion to get that out of the way, and then going to the top now to the top of that draft, the Jets' first pick. Was uh, was of course Darren Lee, 
who had some ups and downs last year. And I think I, I was probably a little too generous. I did a little piece on this the other day and talked about, you know, said Darren Lee's a solid starter. Um, and I was probably a little bit too generous there in retrospect, looking back at it. I think the season's been over for long enough now that I didn't, I didn't really think, you know, I, when, I, when I thought about it more afterward, I thought, you know, he, 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 had a, he had a nice stretch where he was really good for four or five weeks. But other than that, he was, he, I would say Darren Lee is still a question mark. He's a guy, he, now, again, because we've seen some brief flashes, you look at him and think, okay, he's, he's shown he can play a little bit. He's shown he might be a, a quality guy to have on your roster. And if you properly, as, you know, as I've said before, I'd, I'd love to see him lined up outside a little bit more and let him use that speed to get after the quarterback. I think he's got some skills that would allow him to be a, an impact player, more of an impact player than he's been up to this point. But I think you have to say right now, if he continues trending the way he has, again, because I think he was a much better player in year two than year one, even though he was inconsistent in year two. You know, you didn't get, a, you didn't get the same guy every week. But I still think he was better. So saying he is a quality starter right now is probably overstating it. But I think if we see the same level of improvement in year three from year two that we saw from year one to year two, I think if we see the same thing from two to three, I think at that point you'll be able to say he's a quality player, and depending on how he's deployed, it's going to determine whether or not he's a, an impact player. And you know, are we seeing, are we seeing, you know, strip sacks? Are we seeing, you know, a disruptive pass rusher, a guy who does a better job covering opposing tight ends? We'll find out in time. But I think, right, you know, at this point, it's fair to say Darren Lee's a question mark. Christian Hackenberg's a bust. Then, of course, you go to Jordan Jenkins, who I think you'd have to say right now is the, you know, the best player in this class for the Jets. Um, consistent guy, comes in, does a job every week. We've made the comparison a million times. Calvin Pace, you can see Jordan Jenkins having a 10-year career as an edge setter. He'll be a guy, you know, he'll never be a double-digit sack guy. He'll probably be a player that tops out around six or seven sacks. Although, I look at his hit numbers here. He had more QB hits than I realized, hits pressures, hurries, all that stuff. He, he was more disruptive than I realized last year. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but according to PFF. So maybe he is a guy with an improved secondary. Maybe he does, maybe he does sneak nine or ten sacks in there. But either way, even if he's a six or seven sack guy, that's something you can live with, you know, as long as he's doing the work that he's doing against the run. And I think, I think he covers a little bit better than people realize. Uh, I'm not saying he's great because he's not, but I just, he, you know, you do see him get beat, but um, – at least, I shouldn't say from what people say, from my own expectations. Because, I mean, he's a big, plotting dude, um, and I didn't think he'd be able to cover it all. And it's far from his strong suit, but he's looked more capable in doing it than I expected him to be. So, good value there for the Jets. Good chance that they have a 10-year starter at that spot. The next pick, the next round, of course, was, uh, was Justin Burris, corner out of NC State. And Burris was a guy who... Looked really good in his first in his rookie camp. Uh, looked like he was going to, you know, walk away at the starting job last season. Started the first couple weeks of the year and then disappeared. Uh, didn't play well at all and just played sparingly throughout the year and had a, you know, bright moments were few and far between. He got absolutely carved up against the Patriots later in the season. So I think he's a bubble player at this point. I personally wouldn't mind seeing him get an audition 
as a backup safety as well. He did play a little bit of safety in college uh, or went to NC State, you know, and, and played a little bit there early on. And I know I've said before that Mike McCagan was asked about that after the draft, and he was asked whether or not the Jets viewed him as a safety or a corner. And Mike McCagan said, you know, I think his answer was at the moment he's a corner. So if he if he continues to struggle at corner, I would like to see him get a shot at safety. If You know, again, in the backup role, if he can't get it done there, then you move on from him. But I'd really like to see him pan out. Seems like a high-character guy. And uh, and someone, like I said, was impressive in camp early on. But that hasn't uh, that that trajectory hasn't continued. And then that brings us to Brandon Shell, who, as we know, the Jets traded a fourth rounder in order to get an an extra fifth rounder to, to grab Shell, and he spent the most the majority of his of his rookie season on the bench. Comes in late in the year, starts three four games down the stretch, does really well. Uh, looks a little bit sloppy at times, but gets the job done. Keeps the quarterback upright. Better pass blocker than run blocker, and one of the better value picks again of the Mike McCagan era. I don't know that uh, I don't know that Shell is a long term guy, but I think he's done enough to continue getting the opportunity to grow and become that long term guy. I've heard people ask if will he move to left tackle at some point since he's a better run blocker. Sorry, since he's a better pass blocker than run blocker. Personally, I don't see that. I don't think he's got the uh I don't think he's got the overall skill set to handle handle these edge rushers out on the uh on the on the on the blind side. So unlikely but still has been a good player at times and it's definitely been good enough that you would expect him to win that job again this year and hopefully grow a little bit more into a more consistent player because that's that's been one of his big issues is consistency. Lock Edwards, Hunter was the second to last pick. And had himself a really nice uh, second season. Year one, averaged 40 a punt, just under 41 per punt. And then we saw last year that jumped up to 46.6. That's a significant jump. And 33 punts inside the 20. So Locke Edwards did a really nice job last season. And he's a guy who the Jets, they're clearly high on him. They they did very little since drafting him, really. They haven't brought in – I don't remember them bringing any punters in during camp last season. He just kind of came in with no uh, with no challengers um, to come in and see what you know to push him a little bit. I think the Jets felt like they could turn him into a really good player, and uh, and last year they did. So we'll see if he continues to grow because that, that guy's got a howitzer. That guy can boom it. Uh, we've seen it in some games, and we we you know we saw it as a rookie in in practice, saw it last year in practice, and then last year it obviously translated into game days far more than it did the previous uh the previous season. So that brings us to the final pick, Sharon Peak. Sharon Peak's an interesting guy. And uh when when Calvin or Christian, either one, whoever calls him first here, uh looks like Christian will be calling shortly. Might take a second, just a quick second to ask about Sharon Peak because here's a guy when you look at the size speed ratio, you know, it's it's tantalizing. It's it's definitely you're looking, okay, let's, can we turn this guy into a player? Because, you know, having a guy 6'4", who runs in the 4'4", 4'3", whatever he ran in college, um, it's, it's an interesting prospect, and he did a fantastic job as a gunner on specials uh, a couple of years ago. But uh, I, I have a hard time seeing him making the team. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if he made the team, don't get me wrong. But when you look at who they've brought in, and, you know, maybe that's maybe that's part of the reason why. Maybe... 
maybe just thinking out loud, you know, part of me looks at it and says, well, you got, you got Pryor, you've got Curse, you've got Robbie, you've got Quincy, you've got Stewart, you've got Hanson. But at the same time, you know, some of those guys, uh, Pryor, one-year deal, Curse has one year remaining on his deal. Maybe they view this as a guy, maybe Sharon Peak has a chance to stick around as an outstanding player on special teams because he was definitely that. And then maybe he gets an opportunity to stick uh, the following year if they do move on from Pryor because Pryor is basically here on a, a one-year audition. And, has again, now Pryor is a far more sort of bigger-bodied, chiseled-type guy Peaks of it, peak has a leaner frame, but they're both big, tall, deep threats. Guys who can stretch the field a little bit, because coming in at you know six four, I think that's what peak comes in at. What is he? He's listed at six three on here. He's a six three, six four guy. But uh, you know he was he was one of those guys that exploded late in college. That you know if he'd played a little bit better his you know, his last couple of years, he may not have been there in the seventh round where the Jets grabbed him. He only had a couple hundred yards going into his going into his fifth season. He's a five-year guy, um, but that fifth year, 716 yards, average 14 a catch with five touchdowns. So he's shown some ability. You know, I don't think there's any doubting that. But it's a matter of is he a guy who is he going to be able to show enough to stick on this team this year? And I, I would say less likely. Like, if I had to guess now, I would say he doesn't make it. But I wouldn't say it's completely out of the question. I don't think that it wouldn't be – I wouldn't be shocked if he made the roster. Um, but I would be – I would be – let's say I'd be mildly surprised if he finds a way to stick because there are a ton of ton of receivers on this team right now. And they're just going to have to figure out who fits where and go from there because – with all the weapons they're surrounding the you know Sam Darnold with, there's uh there are plenty of options for him, for him to throw the ball to right now. And that uh, and that 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 possibility of having a bunch of towering you know fast towering receivers, um, you know some of these guys are see yeah now another site just I'm just I'm just browsing as I'm talking here. With Sharon Peak at six two. I've seen him at six two, I've seen him at six three. And I thought I'd seen him at six four at one point. But either way, bigger guy and uh definitely an option moving forward. But whether or not he he manages to stick around remains to be seen. Bear with me one second here. Seem to have a bad connection. Give me just one moment, folks. Well, it seems 
I don't know if you guys are getting this as well, and I do apologize if you are. There seems to be quite a bit of interference feedback at the moment. We'll give this a couple seconds, see if it straightens itself out. It does seem to be getting a little bit better. I apologize for that. So we'll we'll just try to push through here. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, again my apologies. But before uh before we bring Christian on, let's see here. Yeah, before we bring Christian on, I wanted to mention a player and I'm gonna mention him again to Christian when he comes on because he did speak about him briefly a couple weeks ago after the draft. Um offensive lineman Dakota Shepley who was a guy they signed as an undrafted free agent out of Canada. And I'll tell you what, I was finally finally able to find some actual game film on Dakota Shepley. It wasn't easy. There wasn't a lot out there. I don't know if somebody felt uh, somebody was motivated to post it after he was signed. But uh, these weren't, you know, we're not talking TV highlights. These were actual, uh, it was actual game film. And I'll tell you what, man, that guy, for a, for a big old lineman, for a guy at 290, that guy can he moves really well. He played some right tackle, some right guard. I mean, really tough to gauge him because honestly, he was so good in some of these, you know, some of these clips. And I know whoever put it together is going to take his best work. But I mean, you saw him consistently ragdolling guys, throwing guys to the ground, and then just piling on them, keeping them down. He just did a really nice job. But you know, the thing that impressed me most was how well he moved for a big guy. Um, matter of fact, one of the plays they showed was a, uh, you know, rules were a little different up there in Canada. There was a, you know, he went down the field covering a covering a a punt. I can't remember if it was a punt or a kickoff. However, they run it up there. But you know, saw him, you know, charging down the field, and he was the second man down the field on a tackle on a, a kickoff, I believe it was. So looked like a really physical guy. But uh, what we're gonna do now? I can see now that Christian is joining us. Um, I will say that, uh, okay, getting a little better. It's a little hit and miss here. Uh, Christian, I know you're just calling in. I do apologize. We, uh, I seem to be having some, uh, some, some static on my phone line here that the show was running just fine up until about three or four minutes ago. So we're just going to press on through it and, uh, and do a few of your, uh, your needs, Christian's, uh, or di- Christian's dire needs. Uh, how you doing tonight, Christian? I'm I'm doing all right here. Just uh, survived a storm in North Jersey, so. Yeah, I I don't know what uh, I don't know what brought this on here with the phone lines, but we will we will push through it. We had uh, you and I spoke briefly early today uh, to maybe kick around some possible topics, and we we came to an agreement on a few things. Now I spoke earlier. Um, I did tell the listeners that I we I double back on a few of these things. I did talk about Garcia, um, adding him on via waivers. So just just diving right into it. What what are your thoughts on that move? Yeah, I think it was a really interesting move. And, and keep in mind, uh, last year before the draft, the Jets actually had uh, Garcia in for a workout. Uh, you know, um, they they actually spent some time with him pre-draft and and really liked this guy. Uh, there's a lot to like about him, although a little bit of an unusual body type for an offensive lineman. You look at him; he's a bit on the lean side, um, not necessarily built like you might think a, a traditional tackle is. Looks a bit more uh, a bit more of a Calvin 
Calvin Payson of Vlad Dukas. I'll put it that way. He's, uh, he, he, right. he's tall. He's got he's got long arms. Got a reach. He, he looks like he could be uh, a small forward in the NBA. Um, moves very well, uh, as you might understand. Tremendous athlete. However, the, the strength is a little bit lacking there. The size is a bit lacking. Um, there are question marks, quite frankly, about if he can add the requisite size and if it's going to be good size. There's size and then there's good size. And there, there's offensive mm-hmm. linemen that you look at, um, like a DeBrickashaw Ferguson, where um, yep. they're not carrying a whole lot around the stomach, right? They've got the broad shoulders. They've got the, the, the you know, thicker thighs. Uh, but he's got the ability to carry the good weight. And then there's offensive linemen who have kind of the sloppy, strange, sort of uh, unusual bodies, Garcia's doesn't really fall into either one of those camps. Not sure if he can put on the 30, 35 pounds that he's going to need there. You know, there's the questions about the blood clots and the lungs. Uh, in college, he missed a good chunk, if not all of the year, with, with a serious knee injury. So he comes in with some physical question marks. And uh, while I think it's a really good flyer from the Jets, uh, you know, he was he was somebody who was kind of a second-round pick who, who fell into the third round with some of these question marks about size, about health. Uh, I think that he could be an intriguing player if they can put it all together. Uh, to me, I'm not sure he steps in right, right away as um, – anywhere on the two deep however i do think in short yardage situations he could almost become like a blocking tight end um if he proves to be healthy and durable and and maybe could put on five to ten pounds between now and and september Uh, i think that could be the intrigue is to be able to work him his way in this year in the jumbo packages he's athletic enough to do so um i I think that could be intriguing I, i like the idea by the jets I'm not saying that he's going to end up making the 53-man roster um, or or the practice squad, but to me it's an intelligent, savvy move to kick the tires on someone they like pre-draft. Yeah, that's that's basically uh, along the lines of what I I was saying in terms of the risk versus reward. There's zero risk in bringing him in. You're not giving up a pick. He's going to make pennies to the dollar, you know, based on the fact, you know, where he was drafted and how you acquired him. And with with the need at that position behind Kelvin Beecham, Mike McCagney would have had him been out of his mind to not make a move there. So I agree 100%. There are some questions, um, but, again, you, you still have to bring a, bring a guy like that in to take a look. But uh, another thing I touched on earlier, and um, it kind of it's kind of a, a good lead-in to, uh, to another topic we said we'd cover. I talked about how the Jets last year, uh, they, they had a hard time closing out some games. You know, they had some, some big leads. They had some late leads, uh, you know, leads at halftime that they squandered. Uh, you know, a big part of that was the, the offense stalled out, and, and they weren't able to run the – you know, they weren't able to run the ball to chew up any clock. Big reason for that being the offensive line struggling up front. Didn't really have a true power back. And, you know, Isaiah Crowell may not be – he's not a Jerome Bettis type. He's probably more of a power back than they've had in recent years. Um, talk about the running backs a little bit and that depth chart and where you think that pans out. And, of course, Rawls is an interesting name because he, he struggled for a couple of years now with injuries and productivity. But you look at his film from a couple of years ago, and that guy was a battering ram. He was a true power back. Yeah, Rawls is a really interesting guy. And, again, he kind of falls in that camp of what you said about Garcia, right? Low risk, high reward, coming coming in, um, you know, not exactly a big contract. But, 
he's somebody you like the way he's built. He's kind of five nine with that low center of gravity. He is thickly built, but he has good athleticism, and I really like when you watch him on film uh, that he he has the ability to kind of bounce outside. He's not just a straight ahead plow through, get three and a half yards, uh, reliable running back. He, he's got a little bit of burst to him when he's able to get outside. He's also a very good receiving target, uh, a fairly decent route runner, but reliable hands. He gets open. He reads and understands when the pocket's breaking down that he may need to be a reliable outlet out of the backfield. And I think that's something that, um, you know, Bilal Powell does a very good job of. Bilal Powell, to me, is a consummate third down back in that he can run the ball and he's equally reliable catching the ball. Uh, But Rawls, to me, is is somebody who I think is going to end up working his way uh, firmly into that 53-man roster, perhaps at the expense of McGuire, uh, who's not as explosive, um, who, who doesn't necessarily have that ability to, to break a bigger play, uh, also has issues with fumbles uh, historically throughout his career. Cannon as well, the draft pick a year ago, um, you know, may not necessarily be primed to see a big role this year if he even makes the team. Uh, but Rolls, to me, is the, is the intriguing guy out there. And Crowell, obviously, is, is somebody who I think was a very good value selection. And, and you'll hear me say that when we talk an awful lot about the, the Jets offseason. Uh, didn't throw a lot of money at people, but they got a lot of good value. And, and they got p- players who can come in and contribute who may not be flashy, but are, are kind of building blocks and, and players who can be reliable when this team goes out, as the Jets did in 2008 and 2009, 2010, kind of splash some money. There are those foundational pieces that can serve the team for a couple of years and help the transition from, uh, you know, being the team that's kind of lost a bunch of games the past few years to, to now being a Jets team that uh, has some young pieces, has some young stars, has built up through the draft and can now supplement that with free agency. And, and crowd to me is um, – one of the guys who who is you know more of a star type of player. You, you talk about him being a good receiving target down the field. Um, I think he's probably going to have even reps with Bilal Powell throughout the year. When you look uh, statistically in, in terms of carries, uh, in terms of receiving yards, uh, he's a bit more of a power runner. But uh, when he's able to get into that second level, he's an explosive guy and. And the Jets haven't had that game-changer type, I don't think, since uh, LaDainian Tomlinson was with this team. And, and that was Tomlinson at the tail end of his career. And Chris Ivory, I think, when he was on the field, is someone else who had mm-hmm. that ability to, to be able to hit a, you know, really be able to hit the hole. And it was always an issue with Ivory of uh, how beat up was he? Was he healthy? Was he going to be able to yeah. go uh, close to 100%? And I, and, I, and I think in this guy, they have somebody who, in that second level, can bring a home run type of mentality. Maybe not take it to the house every time, uh, like Chris Ivory was a threat to do, but be able to rattle off some longer runs and be able to keep a defense a little bit more honest. Yeah, and I, I think I love the point you make about uh, bringing in value guys because I was thinking about that earlier today and looking at some of the guys they've brought in. And to me, the the top guy can't remember if we talked about him or not, but 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 giving up a seventh rounder for Henry Anderson. And bringing that guy in here, yeah. could, that that could turn out to be, you know, one of the biggest deals of the offseason as a guy who could step into that role, uh, previously, you know, held by uh, by Mo Wilkerson. But uh, but but we'll see. We'll see what happens on the D line there. And uh, so they wrapped up rookie minicamp. Uh, any thoughts on what you what you were hearing about uh, the uh, the golden child, Sam Darnold? 
<laughs> yeah, I, listen, I think, I think Darnold is somebody who uh, did a lot of right things, said a lot of right things, and you always want to be cautious about that because, you know, there, there was a media love fest with Mark Sanchez his first year here, with Geno Smith his first year here, where uh, confidence kind of gets taken as being, uh, you know, perhaps pushing them a little further along on the field than they should be. I, I thought Darnold brought, brought in a good perspective of he may not be ready to start, that his role right now is simply to learn. Um, you know, he didn't talk about trying to compete for a starting job. He talked about getting better, he talked about improving. And I think for someone who is going to be just turning 21 at the start of the year, uh, that was an impressive mentality. You know, the, the arms there, the footwork's there. Uh, it's going to be a matter of grasping this playbook. It's going to be a matter of, of, of getting the language and being able to spit it out, of being able to go through his progressions because uh, the Jets have had some very talented quarterbacks, young quarterbacks come through that uh, maybe weren't ready on the field and were pushed along a little too early, and that can really hurt you. And uh, I think Mike McCagnin is in this for the long haul. Uh, the decisions he made this offseason point to me as being uh, someone who thinks that he's going to be here in 2019. Uh, you don't sign a Josh McCown and uh, a Teddy Bridgewater and then draft a rookie quarterback if you don't think that there's a plan in place and, and if you know others haven't bought into that plan. So uh, to me, this was all about trying to set up the Jets for 2019. Let Darnold perhaps sit for six to eight weeks. Potentially, I could see them giving him a package or two here or there, coming in for a set of downs and seeing what he can do, and then go back to holding a clipboard and you know maybe eating a hot dog on the sidelines. Uh, the the plan to me, I don't think, is uh, for him to be the week one starter unless he's an absolute home run, uh, perfectly ready to go quarterback. And, and I think you will get quarterbacks who have come in who are maybe a bit more talented than, than Darnold the past few years. You know, I, I, I think about um, RG3 and just the benefit he could have had uh, of being able to sit even just for a handful of games, uh, double his knowledge of the playbook, see what it's like, get some limited snaps here or there, and then being moved along. Uh, you know, you don't want to rush a young quarterback along uh, too fast. So I, I think right now it's encouraging to see that Darnold isn't even talking about the starting quarterback competition, even though that question gets thrown to him probably about a dozen times a day. Excellent stuff, Christian. Thanks so much for calling in and joining us yet again. We really appreciate it. You guys can check him out on uh, Christian Covers. Uh, jet, he does some Jet stuff, some Giant stuff from Metro. Also, for those uh, soccer fans out there, the uh, the New York Red Bulls. So, thank you so much for your time, Christian. Well, always appreciate it, and uh, hope everyone's safe out there from the storm. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Take care. All right, so from one writer to another, uh, we are very fortunate at the moment to be joined now by Calvin Watkins of Newsday. Calvin's been covering the team for, uh, well, since last season. Uh, did a really nice job. There was actually some, some chatter last week on some of the forums on Jet Nation about those who cover the team and uh, some very kind words for Calvin, which you don't often get from Jets fans. So congratulations on that, Calvin, and thank you for joining us. Appreciate it, man. I didn't, I didn't know uh, you guys you cared about us that much. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, Jets fans care. We probably care a little too much about everything. Um, every, <laughs> everything is under the microscope at all times. But it was some, uh, some, a lot of positive feedback on the work you've done, and I think fans have enjoyed your work since you got here. So, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, 
if you can just, yeah, just a few minutes of your time. Um, wanted to talk briefly, j- just kind of, just big picture wise. I, I don't want to sit here and try to pin a, you know, it's, it's, we're in the middle of May. I'm not going to try to pin you down for a, a record, uh, you know, <laughs> prediction win total. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there were some Jets fans who weren't too thrilled this week when uh, an ESPN reporter kind of pegged them at the top of the draft. He had them picking number one overall, meaning, of course, <laughs> he sees them being the worst team in the NFL. Um, I know this team isn't, uh, isn't going to be winning any Super Bowls this year, but I think uh, for a five-win team that added a, a number one corner and a improved at center and improved at linebacker, uh, I, I think that's uh, I think that's a little bit off the mark. What what, what do you think? Are, are the Jets still a, sort of a bottom three team in your eyes? Look, if if the Jets are picking at the top of the draft next year, I think you're going to see a new head coach and a new general manager. Um, Absolutely. The reality is, you can't. You know, they went five and eleven this past year, and I can't envision another five and eleven season. And Christopher Johnson saying, okay, Todd, we'll bring you back. Okay, Mike, we'll bring you back. So, to me, you got to win at least seven or eight games. Um, you know, last year they almost won seven or eight games. And I think they blew like three games in the fourth quarter last year. So, and say they would have won those games, and you're looking at maybe seven and nine season, uh, maybe eight and eight possibly. Mm-hmm. So, um, but going forward, you know, regardless of who the starting quarterback is, you upgraded the secondary. Um, you got like a thousand wide receivers on your roster. You upgraded the quarterback position behind Josh. So you should win at least seven or eight games. That, that's got to be like a mandatory thing, in my opinion. Yeah, and that was that was one of the things I touched on earlier was the fact that this is a five-win team that blew a lot of leads, and they didn't really have the. The, the, they were kind of outmanned up front. Wesley Johnson struggled all year. You know, we found out after the season that Brian Winters was playing with a torn abdominal muscle. James Carpenter struggled. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like you add a guy like Isaiah Crowell to the back in, in the back to the, to the mix in the backfield, and you upgrade with Spencer Long at center and Brian Winters is healthy. You should be able to you know run the clock out a little bit in some of these games if you have a lead. So uh, so we'll we'll see how that pans out. But one one thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned the wide receivers. I talked a little bit earlier, you know, as you said, a million receivers on the roster right now. You know, there are several guys who are locks. You know, you mm-hmm. expect your main curse to be there. Even with the off-field stuff, Robbie's going to be there. Terrell Pryor's going to be there. Um, not 100%. Between Hanson and Stewart, wouldn't be shocked if one of those guys is gone. Um, but, but the name I wanted to throw at you, um, because he, he see, I, I could see him being on the outside looking in, but uh, Sharon Peak. Here's a guy, you know, great measurables in terms of height, speed, did a fantastic job a couple years ago as a gunner on special teams, but then, of course, only played three games last year before going on IR. Um, do, do you think he's a guy who has a shot to make this roster, or have they just brought in so many receivers that he's going to be on the outside looking in? I think he's on the outside looking in. Um, when you look at the, the receivers, I mean, look at the Robbie Anderson. you got Terrell Pryor. Uh, Jermaine Curse, who's a guy who could be on the bubble depending on how the other two kids that they drafted last year um, develop. So, you know, it's going to be hard for him to try to make this roster because it's, just, it's so top-heavy right now with quality players. Yeah, and like I said, I'm I'm kind of I'm at the point where I wouldn't be shocked if he made the roster. I wouldn't be shocked uh-huh. either way. Let me put it that way. I think um, – I think it's going to be interesting to see how the receiver position plays out 
in terms of the uh, the two kids, that, you know, Stewart and Hanson, who, you know, they were taken last year. Stewart looked to be at a Hanson on, ahead of Hanson on the depth chart for most of the year. Then Hanson leapfrogged him. And I think we were all just a little surprised to see how little um, our Darius Stewart was used. So I think the combination of, of being leapfrogged on the roster and getting close to no playing time, really, um, you know, you only see him get a target every couple weeks. They're they're just kind of seem to be this this building, you know, this mounting feeling that maybe they weren't thrilled with his progress. But as a player, you know, loved him in the draft and and hopefully he comes along. But um, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But another question I have for you um, for training camp, you know, the, or for for rookie mini camp. I just uh, you know Christian just commented briefly. But, of course, uh, you were there covering it. And uh, wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, of course, everyone wants to know about Sam Darnold, so any thoughts on him. But other than Darnold, who stood out to you um, in terms of the, just uh, on and off the field in the locker room type stuff? Well, I think, you know, it, it's so hard because, you know, Sam is going up against other guys like him, but you could really tell mm-hmm. that he was on another level. He's playing at another level just because of who he is and where he was drafted. Right. Um, the thing I liked about Donald was that when he moved out of the pocket when there was 11-on-11 sessions is that he completed passes. And, yeah, he took about two or three sacks in the two days that I watched um, practices in 11-on-11 because that's really where you get to really see guys in, in, in their element. Mm-hmm. But I was impressed with him in the pot when he got out of the pocket throwing passes. Um, now, he's still learning how to make line protections and that kind of thing, and, and they will work with him as, as he moves along. Uh, he made a nice little play. It was his third read on a, on a completing a pass, and that's a rare thing that, that happens where you make a when you complete a pass on your third read and you're still in the pocket. So he did a really nice job mm-hmm. of that. So I really liked him um, a lot. You know, the, the tight end they got from Miami, Chris Herndon, uh, the Jets seem to be raving about him. I had talked to one of the, the coaches over there, and he and he, he told me that they like you know they like him because he can block. He's not afraid to get his hand in the ground and, and get dirty. He can catch the ball and he can line up in many different spots in the line of scrimmage. And I, and to me, that's the key: just finding guys who catch the ball. He upgraded the tight end position already. So me, so outside of Sam Donald, the tight end Herndon was somebody I was really impressed with as well. And that I know for, for myself and a lot of other fans, but bringing Herndon in was a huge relief because I've been one of those folks for years now saying, you know, can, can we please get a, a multi-purpose guy in here? You know, enough mm-hmm. of a specialist. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know, Austin Safarian Jenkins isn't going to block for you. Um, you know, Eric Tomlinson, good blocker, catches the ball when you give him the opportunity, but he's not going to be a playmaker with the ball in his hand. And I think right. that Herndon, you know, probably slipped a little in the draft because of the injury. And uh, and that, that that's really encouraging to hear you say he looks good because, let's face it, having a dual-threat guy who can do a little bit of everything, and from what I was able to find on him, you know, I watched a few games, and he uh, he definitely looked like a more than willing blocker, so he could be a guy that can find his way on the field regularly um, early on. And Jordan Leggett, you know, we know about the, you know, missing last year with the uh, the knee injury that kept kept popping up before they eventually uh-huh. put him on IR. But there is some youth there, hopefully some depth. They haven't had that in a while. But uh, So one more question before I let you go, and thanks again for joining us. Uh, for those of you listening, this is Calvin Watkins from Newsday joining us on Jet Nation Radio. Um, the two young D linemen, what, what was your impression of those guys? I like the kid from Canada. Um, 
the Jets are telling me he might be a day one starter. Um, now they're going to have yep. a, a rotation at, at the D line. That's something that, that Todd likes to do. But this kid they really like. He's got heavy hands. He's quick off the ball. Uh, he knows the game a little bit. It's going to take him a while to, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be Muhammad Wilkerson or, or Leo, uh, you know, Williams, but. Uh, he's, he's a guy that you can you can plug in. He's a, he's a mature kid. I think he's 25, so that's good. You know, he's, he's, he's got his head on straight. Um, so I, I do like him. Foley, the guy they're gonna put in uh, from Utah, from Queens. He can play three technique a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. He's a little bit bigger than what I thought, so he he might be okay. I, I really like him. Um, I don't know if he's got position flexibility for him to play as a defensive end, but definitely he's gonna play. Uh, defensive tackle. And it's so hard to tell, you know, if these guys are going to be good pass rushers or not. Um, you know, I, I, I like to see him after two preseason games before you really can, get, can say, oh, he could play a little bit. But from all the indications, that, you know, the uh, the Jets really like uh, Shepard, and uh, my understanding, the Cowboys liked him as well too. So a lot of teams were a little disappointed they couldn't get him. But he's got a lot of potential. So of all the when you ask me about all the rookies, obviously Sam is at the top of the list and, and the tight end for Miami is two, but I would say Shepard is right there at three because he's got a lot of potential. Yeah, that could you know, that could be a situation where the Jets maybe benefit from the fact that, you know, for those of you who remember he uh he was reportedly impressing some folks at the senior bowl before he broke his hand. Uh-huh. Did he yeah. have to play in the game? So, you know, if he had played a guy like that who, you know, there would be some questions because of a small school, he comes away from that game with a sack or two he might climb some boards, so the Jets may have really lucked out there. But, um, Calvin, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you giving us your time. Um, thanks for your insight, and we look forward to uh, – we'll see you out there at training camp and, and hopefully have you on again sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, take it easy. All right, have a great night. You too. All right, so, I mean, that's – I don't know – I don't know what more you could want to hear, honestly. Uh, you know, we, we've heard it from other writers. We've seen it. But it's always nice to, to get some uh, some insight from some folks who are out there. Hopefully we'll uh, hopefully come training camp time. We'll have some folks out there for Jet Nation as well um, covering training camp. But as far as rookie camp, I mean, Nathan Shepard, man, I'm, I'm excited to see this guy. Uh, having watched a few of his games now since being drafted, having heard Todd Bowles talk about him. And, you know, we know Bowles doesn't gush about a lot of guys. but And, and I will say, I, I didn't hear the quote directly, but I think Calvin did just mention it, that uh, Todd Bowles talked about him as a possible day one starter. And, you know, the, the, the flexibility, positional flexibility he brings that Calvin talked about, that, you know, that, that's a plus, obviously, if you have a young guy. You know, he's not young. It, I, I think it's funny when people say, you know, oh, we, you know, you draft a guy – 25 years old, he, he's three, four years older than some of these rookies. And I just, I just say, listen, if he pans out, are you really going to care? Are you going to be upset that you got a guy who starts for you for seven to eight years instead of 10 to 12? Like, is it really that upsetting that you've got to, you know, use the, uh, a third-round draft pick on a, an instant starter who you plug in and, and, and produces for you for a while? You know, don't get too caught up in that. And, uh, you know, of course, the Herndon talk, this is a guy that, Again, probably slipped a little bit in the draft because of the injury. I believe it was an MCL. And, but when he did play, 
you know, watch some of his games. Watch what this guy can do. He can make plays with the ball in his hands, whether it's down the field, whether it's out of, you know, lining up as an H-back, coming out of the backfield, swing passes, that type of thing, making guys miss. He can be a, he can be a good player. So there's, I think there's a lot of optimism with this draft class, and there should be. You know, it's the draft. If you can't get excited about some of these guys, you know, especially when you're, when you go back and watch, you know, some of these guys you can find actual game film online. If you can't find game film, at least just watch some of their games. You can get somewhat of an idea what they bring, whether it's, you know, the in, there's plenty of insiders giving the Jets a lot of credit for the moves they made. You just heard Calvin saying there that, you know, the Cowboys were interested in Shepard. They wanted to get him later. A lot of teams wanted him. And, as you know, as I mentioned, he's a guy who may have gone earlier if he didn't get sent home from the senior bowl with a broken hand but the Jets kind of lucked out because teams didn't get to take a long look at him. Or, well, I should say we, we think they've lucked out. We'll, we'll see. You know, we don't know what, what's going to happen with any of these guys. But uh, the top thing, I think, between uh, all the rookies, I know we've talked about it, but I, I can't say it enough because it's, uh, it's, it's such a huge factor, the Sam Darnold thing and the, and the throwing on the run and uh, his ability to hit open guys while – you know, operating under pressure outside the pocket when things break down. We saw that from him in college a ton, and I don't see how you can't be uh, how you can't be excited. And you know, I know I said it before that coming into the draft, my guy was Mayfield because I just didn't think Darwin would be there, and I don't think a lot of people did think he would be there. So, just a uh, lot of lot of good stuff, a lot of good feedback. And, and knowing that you have a, a good young quarterback who's, who's going through his proge- progressions, using his legs to get away from trouble, and hitting open receivers while he's on the move, it's just, I mean, it's been a long time, folks, since the Jets have had something like that. Will it translate when, you know, once he's facing the big boys and once, you know, once the season starts? You know, w- whatever's going to happen, there's going to be speed bumps, whether he's going to be an average quarterback or a legitimate franchise guy. There'll be ups and downs throughout the season, uh, early on, you know, early on in his career. But still plenty of reason for optimism, still plenty of reason to expect big things from him moving forward. So we just want to take a second to thank Christian Dyer from Metro for joining us. And uh, nice insight from Christian. I enjoyed uh, specifically talking about the running backs, and Rawls is an interesting guy. Um, I don't see him making the roster just because – I'm just going off history, and I'm going to assume he's not healthy. But if he is healthy, he could be a force. And uh, thank you again to Calvin Watkins, recapping some draft picks for us and talking about where the Jets stand right now as a whole. So thank you very much, Jet Nation. Appreciate you tuning in, and we look forward to hearing you again next week. Take care, folks.